Welcome to the Rick Roberts School of Laughs podcast, where we aim to make you bigger, better, and more bookable. From the aspiring comedian to the part-time pro, this is the podcast for you. We'll talk all things comedy from the page to the stage, and now it's showtime. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Rick Roberts here with another one of the comics from the Grand Rapids Laugh Fest. It's Andy Hendrickson, who I've known for a while. I've only known two of the comics of the eight that I've worked with previously. Oh, really? And we met way back in Tampa. Yeah, it's probably about, I could look it up, but it was probably at least seven years ago. Time goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was a long, long time ago. And since that time to now, I uh, saw you on Letterman, so congratulations on Thanks. that. Thanks. Thanks. And I haven't really talked to anybody about the process of that. I know you've probably told the story a few times, but yeah. and it's different for everybody. But did you have seven, ten, two weeks? How, how many days did you know in advance that you were going to get the spot and, and have time to nail it down? Uh, the whole process took about a year. Uh, I sent him a tape, and then I, I'll try and make the story short. And then I did a live showcase audition. And based on that, they said, what do you want to do out of that? time that you saw so I put together that a five-minute tape or it was actually four and a half I sent it to him after taking a couple months to get it right then they're like nah here are the jokes we want yeah so I was upset but I was also like okay if they picked jokes then I know that I'm on the right track if they took the time to go through and go we like this this and so I got him that Okay, good. We want you to do that live in front of our executive producer. So I did that showcase. Didn't hear anything for a while. Finally, um, they 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 like okay, we we like it, but we want to we want to see what it's like with with you flop out the closer. So I had to switch to closer. And eventually, uh, it was February of last year. They called me and said we're looking at a date for you towards sometime towards middle March or end of March. So I kind of knew about a, about a month out. That's that nice. A, a, a rough idea that we know when they were going to possibly get me up. And then um, I remember I was out in Vegas for my brother's bachelor party. I ended up actually in the ER that weekend because uh, <laughs> I was having some weird heart palpitations. I don't know if it was, maybe it was anxiety or whatever. I, I also have Lyme disease, so it, it causes like some problems from time to time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get back from like this crazy, horrible weekend, like spending all the whole time in the ER on Saturday night while everyone's having fun. And uh, I'm running on like zero sleep. I, I wake up after taking like they give me some medicine to calm me down. And so I'm just out of it. And there's a phone call it's from the Letterman people. And like uh, I call them back and they said it was a Monday. So they said we're going to tape Tuesday of the following week. So I had about a week to prepare. I canceled my road stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just called up all the clubs in the city, in New York, and just, uh, I probably practiced the set probably 20 times. Wow. Yeah. And you've been in New York for how many years at that point? Uh, almost, well, let's see, this year it was seven. Okay. So around then it was about six years. So you had all the clubs, you could just say, hey, I'm working on my Letterman set, can I pop in and do it? Yeah, most of them will kind of extend that courtesy to you. And um, yeah, almost all of them did it. So, and did all those sets feel good? Were there no, actually, um, someone warned me that they said don't um, 
once you get it, just don't kind of don't overdo it because you want it to kind of be like, like they say, don't do it the day before. Let it kind of marinate, marinate for a day. Let yourself be make it the set be fresh. Right. So, but I did it the day before. I did it like two or three times the day before, actually, because to me, I was like, I wasn't feeling good. I was having some, you know, some issues, and I wasn't feeling good. I'm like, so I just wanted to have it on like total autopilot. No matter what happened, I would be able to do the set. Right. So. Uh, well, that's cool. And how did it feel when you walked out there? I mean, did did you get an extra set of nerves, or did it finally just calm down? So you know, I was pretty. I was pretty. Calm. I mean, I definitely had some nerves going into it. Then they bring you down from the green room, and you're standing on the the side of the stage, and you can see Letterman, you know, not too far away. It's not very. It's a very kind of a small studio, and uh, he's doing his bit. And I, you know, in my head, like I thought I might get. There's a chance I could get bumped, and like now I'm standing there. He's going to do his bit. They're going to a commercial. And then I'm going on, and it just hits you like, man, this is real. You <laughs> know, this is really <laughs> happening. But I knew I'd studied it. I was like pretty much obsessed with getting on the show. I had studied. I'd gone. I'd been in the audience before. Mm-hmm. I'd gone backstage a couple times with comedians, friends who have done the show. So I'd seen the layout of the stage. They take you out, and you can see the layout again. And I've been there. I was so familiar with the whole everything about it. So that wasn't distracting to you. So you no. focus a little bit better. And those Letterman crowds are incredible. They're they are so ready to laugh and be supportive because people. It's still one of the late night shows that has a really solid tradition. Mm-hmm. People buy their tickets like a year out, and yeah. this is like a thing for them. Like they're pumped. They want it to go good. They want it to go good, and. Uh, they even removed the center camera. There used to be a center camera on the stage. They take that out when the comedians c- come on, and they shoot from the back with these like n- real nice cameras. So I said to myself, just get the first joke out, which my first joke was like, seriously, like an eight-second joke. That's mm-hmm. like you, the punchline's boom, and then you're off to the races. Well, get that first laugh, and I just told myself, pretend like you're just doing another show at a little theater with one of the best crowds you're going to have. Right. And that's what I literally did. I was like, I kind of forgot for about five minutes that I was on a stage for television. I just pretended like I was just doing a show at any theater in the USA, you know. That's cool. Then at the end of your set, when you signed off, did you just take a deep breath? Yeah, and I was like, and then uh, the letterman came over and shook my hand, and I had heard that he kind of looks a little bit older in uh, person, and I was like... I found myself for some reason. He shook my hand. And he's like, "Good job," or whatever he said. And he starts making the announcements for next, the next night, or who's coming up. And uh, I was just staring at the side of his face <laughs> to see the wrinkles. Then I snapped out of it. I'm like, oh, "Wait, you know?" Right. But it was a great. It was like a year of pretty much obsessing about it. And then I did it, and I nailed it, and it was just like, yeah. like. How pressure's long, off how long did the wave did it, the next day or two you finally say okay now it's back to work yeah uh, that's, a, that's a major goal and then you hit it and then how do you reset for okay what comes next right well you know i'd learned from other friends who've done it that it doesn't do change anything overnight you know it, that, that this doesn't happen anymore 
I was hoping maybe someone would see it and be like, hey, we need to manage you or start booking you. Or That never happened. But um, I, call it the th- I call it the three-day birthday. Right. Because <laughs> um, I taped it on a Tuesday. Because of uh, March Madness, we were um, they taped two on a Tuesday. And this was going to air on the Wednesday, which was pretty much their end of the week because March Madness tournament. Right. So... Um, so I taped it on a Tuesday. I didn't really tell many people that I was doing it. I wanted to keep it a secret in case something happened. Right. I got, I got bumped or whatever. Right. So I put after I taped it on Tuesday, I put it out there on Facebook. I just taped the Letterman thing. It went great. It'll be airing tomorrow. Then uh, on Wednesday, you know, uh, people are like, "Can't wait to see it." Da da da. So all over, you get all this attention on right. Facebook, and then they watch it, and the next day they're like, "That was great last night." And it's three days of like. Really being excited and like, and then, then all of a sudden the Facebook messages start to drop, trickle away. The right. phone calls and the, the texts start, and you're like, pretty much okay. How am I gonna top ba- that? I'm back to normal. <laughs> I never looked at like how I want to top it. I was just like, uh, it was it was more like a relief for me. It was like um, I finally validated my my comedy career for myself. Yeah, it's a big stamp. Yeah, it's like nice. And you know, if your, your friends and your family, a lot of times people like, especially like old high school friends, are like, "Are you? Oh, you're a comedian now? Like, what have you done?" Well, I, I mean, I I do it for a living. I work all around the country, but I hadn't I haven't done anything right that the people who aren't comedians like see is like right, right, right. You have what have you done on TV? Ah, well, nothing really. You know, but I work a lot. Right, you know, which is enough. Which is enough. But for other people who work wherever they work, that's enough for them. Right. So they sometimes the expectation. Did you do your job on TV? Yeah, yeah. Did you Did job you? so well that they wanted to show the best five minutes of the way you shuffle papers? Right. On national TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're going to prep you for for about a year. They're going to look at some <laughs> of your paper shuffling for a while and say, hey, "Can you put that last piece of paper on top?" Right. Right. Yeah. It might work better for us. Yeah. That's funny. So that's good stuff. And. um and then now you're here at the festival, which has been going a lot uh, more. I'm having more fun than I thought I would have. For yeah, sure. this has been great. This has honestly been one of the might be my favorite festival I've ever done. And I know it's a little tough to kind of get rest and stuff. Have you had enough time to chill out? Or are you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Not really. I mean, Thursday came in. Um, got in the afternoon. I can't remember didn't have much time we, I think we went and got something to eat and then we had an early show then we had uh, we did the, the show like a late show on Thursday I was drinking a bunch of the local beer it was like, it's, but I found out it's like double the alcohol you said one was like 10% 10% which yeah. is you it's only need sh- to have one of those right and I had about four of them <laughs> and uh, and then I had to get up early for media on Friday I did some radio and uh, some little video thing and um couldn't get back to sleep. Then I had th- two shows last night. Then, the, then I did the midnight show last night. And uh, finally got a little bit of sleep last night. But it's been kind of like just nonstop. Not a, not, no time to chill, really. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> At least let you sit down in a chair. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to. After this, I'm going to just go relax for like an hour or two before the show. And yeah. And we're on the same. They have two groups of four clean comics. We're on the same bill, so I've, I've got to see every show, and every show's been solid. Yeah, you've been pretty happy with it. Yeah, I've been I've been really happy with it. I mean, it's it's 
it's fun to be on a show with a bunch of good comedians of a high caliber and you know we're, we're all doing really well and it's just uh it takes a lot of stress out of it doesn't it yeah it's it's like a, there's a good camaraderie you know everyone has their own different style but Completely we're all strong different. yeah and it's it's kind of fun just to be part of that it's like and there, i don't there's no like competitive no, i think everybody no. wants everybody else to do good because right. it sets you up one thing about working clean to clean to clean to clean as long as everybody stays in the clean avenue and we're all different there's always more laughs after that guy for you and and down the road right it doesn't like uh impede somebody said if you know some guy goes up and he's super filthy or does maybe all crowd work right that can kind of throw off a guy who's clean who just does jokes right you know it's been pretty smooth except for i have to mention it again the band that cranks up right in the middle of our right. sets downstairs <laughs> Last night I was getting ready to go on stage and I hear Enter Sandman. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, that'd be a nice, probably some pro wrestler uses that when they come into the WWE or something. But that'd yeah. be a nice onstage song to walk up to. Yeah. Into <laughs> I did Country Roads when I uh, did Letterman. I, you get to choose your own music. I, I meant to ask you that. So you picked from what you, did you grow up in West Virginia? Or did you no, I just to went to college uh -huh. there. So it was like a little nod to WVU. That's cool. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Springfield, Virginia. It's like right outside of D.C. 20 minutes from D.C., from, like, fourth grade on. Gotcha. And when you got to WVU, did you do anything on stage there, plays, open stages, anything at all? No. I didn't. Um, I was in a fraternity, and I had a guitar, and I was always funny, and we used to sit out there on the porch and drink beer, and I used to, like, play the guitar and make, make up songs about people walking by. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where I, that's kind of my first performance kind of thing because guys would sit around like my nickname was Hendy, Andy Hendrickson, Hendy, Hendy, get your guitar, man. I just sit out there and make songs up about people walking by. That's great. And uh, that kind of got me uh, right there. You get a little bit like, oh, I can make a group of people laugh. And I've always had super funny friends and stuff, too. So, yeah. But I didn't really get on stage until uh, I moved to Atlanta and uh what year was that roughly 93 okay and um i was doing like t just some awful temp work job it was like pulling yeah. through going you know i don't know what it was some clerical thing like yeah. pull, digging through old <laughs> files pulling out a sheet of paper photocopying it putting it back and for eight hours a day just anyway um one morning on my way to work, I saw uh, this guy, Jeff Justice, that taught a comedy class, and they were talking about it on the news. And I'd always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I always really liked it, and I thought I would be good at it, uh, but I never could get myself motivated to do it. So I, basically, I figured I'll pay, because at the end of the class... To the graduation show? You get the thing. graduation show, I'm like... It's going to essentially force me to to discipline myself to be ready because I know that I have to perform at the end of this class. That's cool. And that was a great motivator for me. And so uh, that's how I kind of got started. And in that class, you know, there's kind of two kinds of comics. Comics who say never take a comedy class. Just go right. out and learn it the hard way like I did. And there's people that took a class today. It's, it'll jumpstart you and get you going. What kind of stuff did you take away from that class? I mean... 
was it just an eye opener of how many different things comics use to get a laugh and the structure of it? Right. Well, for me, uh, kind of what happened was it was I think it was only like a six week course. It was pretty short, but it was like three hours once once a week, something like that. And we get we're given assignments, and I slacked off after. And the first week, we're supposed to come in with like three jokes. I didn't work very hard on them. And um, I went up there, and I did not get any laughs. And then there was like these, I don't know, just like housewives that were like getting bigger laughs than me. And I got so mad at myself (laughs) that I decided I'm going to be the best one in this class. It's just like, I don't know what it was. Something just, a switch went off. And I was like. I just kept writing and writing and writing and by the end of the class I was just like killing and then the graduation I had I would say I had by far the best set. That's cool. A little cocky. But hey. Did you get a video of it? Do you still have a I have the video somewhere. Yeah. Is that part of the class? Like I'll give you a video at the end of yeah. the yeah. yeah. That's the way so, we do it. It's kinda yeah. it's cool to have that. I mean that's your very first time on stage and it was a good set mm-hmm. and it's evidence that you were funny early. Yeah. I'm glad that I don't have video of my first times. I didn't even know I was going to do comedy the first time. And it probably was a year before I even recorded anything or knew somebody that had a camera. So I'm glad that there's a year of no evidence. Because I I had no class. And it literally took me, I think, three or four years just to figure out what I was doing at all. Right. And it wasn't until I moved to Nashville 13 years ago when I started teaching the class that the guy that ran the club asked me to analyze my set and just explain to people how I'm getting laughs. Right. I'd never even done that research before. Right. And so I figured out there's about 20 things I'm doing that make people laugh. And then I realized my jokes that aren't getting laughs consistently had none of those things in it. Right. I was just like saying something and there was no twist at all. And and in that one year that I put that class together the first time, I was like, it changed my whole act. Everything got better. Tighter. Cut words out all over the place. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have had a class early on. You know, I may still taken quite a while to figure it out but at least i'd know what not to do yeah i think it's a good tech i think it's a good thing to do it gives it it's a good uh i I don't know it doesn't even make sense to me to um to skip it to skip why would if there was an instruction manual on how to you know uh learn how to do something why wouldn't you want to have the manual for some basic Structure. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm still looking for classes to take or workshops to attend to learn more stuff. It, yeah. After 21 years of this, I'm like, ah, what yeah. else can I do to tweak what I'm doing or add another level to it? And Yeah. I mean, I, I used, okay, so you play guitar, I play guitar. I initially picked up the guitar with just kind of like fiddling around by playing it by air, but eventually I ran into some friends in college that were like, okay, here's a G chord. Right. Here's a C chord. Here's how they can do this song. Oh, you know what? You should get this book. It shows you all the chords. You just does. It, it's, 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 it takes all the guesswork out. Yeah. Why would you? I know. It's not like, get some. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. But uh, I mean, I guess I can. Uh, they're, they're like, well, comedy is an art form. You got to just kind of learn it. Some guys do it either way. But yeah. I mean, the, their attitude when they. They kind of look, they almost look down their nose at comedy classes. And I yeah, think that's I, always, I never could understand it because the guys I've heard, like I've been in the green room hearing somebody talk about, hey, I wonder if I should take Rick's class or whatever. And I kind of walk out and the guy that was talking to the other comedian comes out and goes, man, he says I shouldn't take your class. I should, I should just do this and do that and do that. And if I do those things, I'll be okay. I'm like, well, he just gave you a little miniature class. He gave you three things that you could do. 
and he just told you you, you don't have to learn from anybody else but he gave you three things to do right, right i said what i will do is i'll give you 20 or 30 things to do you pick it at your own pace and do it but he just gave you a miniature class right so just go back and tell that guy that he should have charged you 20 bucks or something for that information right so i mean i I don't know. I think some people look, look at it and they think it's a scam or a gimmick or whatever. But I see guys that take the class that are getting breaks and doing things. And yeah. Some guys are doing it almost for a living now after a short period of time. So it's why wouldn't you? I mean, that's what. Yeah. For me, really, it was it was really the main thing was it's, it was a structured thing. I needed some structure. And it was a, a motivator. A limited time, and there was a payoff at the end. Right. Which I think that's a, it, to have some accountability is key. Right. You know this thing's coming up, so you have to get ready for it. If uh, if I didn't have it, I would maybe I would have just been like, yeah, I'm not gonna go. I, you know, yeah. I'll go next week. And then nobody knows if you week. don't commit, if you're not in a system. It's like, right. It's like it's like quitting smoking. You you tell everyone you're gonna quit smoking, so they can hold you accountable. When you know. Yeah. And now all my friends, okay, I'm graduating. You guys are gonna come watch me. You're like, pressure's Did you on. Them out? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's funny. I've had a few students have it that just refused to invite any friends out and they had the best sets and they were so mad afterwards yeah i'm like you should, you should have some confidence i mean throughout the class you kind of learn this is going to work this is going to work this may not you know you right. see what your hit rate should be and if it's going to be good bring them on out i mean the more the merrier right yeah plus yeah I, yeah i think it's fun to have your friends there i just had some really cool kind of full circle thing where um i was headlining in atlanta at the improv and a bunch of my old buddies from Atlanta came out to the show. And my buddy Mike was like, dude, I was at the, your very first show. Nice. It's like so incredible to see like how good you are. And like, I mean, cause that was like amazing. You know, like they're just, they can't believe it. Right. But that was a good feeling. Like, and how oh yeah, you were there when I was at my very first show. And what year, you moved to Atlanta after college. So what year was that again? Where you? Uh, I didn't do it until like 98. 98, so. August of '98. Gotcha. So that's this pre- yeah, August, a lot be, of change. <laughs> yeah, a lot of change in those years. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And I can remember my friends all going, "Dude, you, you know, like when I was breaking into like becoming a full-time road comic, and my friends are all like, they got the weekends off, and I got to work on the weekends, and I'm in like driving to Little Rock, Arkansas, for two hundred bucks just right. to MC for stage time. You know, my girlfriend's there's like a music festival in Atlanta. Everyone's like just out partying, having a great time. And I'm like, you haven't even got to Memphis yet. Yeah. You can't at least make a feel like you're missing out. Like, you know, there was a lot of sacrifices. uh, There is that. I'm glad you brought that up because there's, you, you really have to drop everything else if this is going to be your deal. Yeah. And you might be in some places and get to see some cool things while you're doing it, but this is the focus and it's gotta be, there almost has to be an obsession with, uh, X amount of dates on the book to make you feel like you're actually doing it. And then the X amount of dates on the book to survive and pay rent right? and pay gas now is a big deal. I, I don't know. How, it's a different ball game with the kids starting now. We got to pay four fifty a gallon for gas or whatever it is in your neck of the woods, three eighty nine or whatever. Yeah. They, uh, it's tough it's, to get out I've there. said this to other guys in the city there cause it's funny. A lot of the New York city comics don't get out on the road a lot and they ask about it. Like it's a, this weird mystic it's like it's narnia like what's what? it like out there yeah what's it like out there well it pays does it what do you what do you what is it yeah what do you do um but i tell some of the younger guys i kind of feel bad for them I, I i say you the best thing you can do is get is get really good 
in the city till you at least have a, a you know a good solid half hour right and then you can go out but even then it's now it's kind of more difficult man because say you're getting paid 600 bucks to go feature that somewhere that's like i don't know eight hours away you're you're losing what two hundred dollars in gas probably or 150 depends on what you drive but yeah so you're, yeah. you're spending 100 bucks at least one way yeah uh, either way eight hours yeah yeah or if you have to fly to it then you're really like you're out say you're going from new york to like des moines in the future and it pays like 600 bucks or 700 bucks your flight your flight's like 400 bucks right. and you're making like 300 bucks for a wednesday through saturday right it's not much money it's tough it's tough that's why guys sell merch Gotta have the merchandise. You yeah. get your CD. Do you have a shirt or anything when you're on the road? I have a CD. Uh, I find those don't sell as well as they used to. They, I think because digital. They download now. Yeah. Um, you can get download cards that you can sell. Yeah. And uh, I've looked into doing that, and just they can buy that for ten bucks or whatever, and they just plug in the numbers and get the CD later. At least that way you have a chance at selling stuff. Right. You know, I sell stuff off a of CD Baby. Mm -hmm. uh, they hold my stuff and I get a check every I think it's a 23rd of every month or something and, um, but it's weird it, it has changed I think the, the CDs still sell good for guys that do music in their act or impressions right where they have to you have to hear it this way right but for the average comic I don't think it's as big of a deal as it used to be yeah a, a great t-shirt can make you tons of money but it's a lot of inventory to worry about it's a pain and if you're flying just forget it you, then you got to ship boxes ahead of time and it's it can be a pain but it can double or triple that income when you're out there yeah i mean so, i just worked with a guy uh darn i can't think of his name right now he's very funny too but he has a t-shirt why well, i can't think of his name anyway um he has a t-shirt he does this joke about ninjas don't like crunchy leaves <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. He talks about the like the different seasons, and he gets into it about ninjas don't like uh, crunchy leaves. That's funny. And it's a he gets a huge laugh. Then he sells this T-shirt, and it's just like this stick figure ninja getting ready to walk over a, po a pile of crunchy leaves. It's just black on white, <laughs> yeah. and it says ninjas don't like crunchy leaves. And he people could, just line up to buy these shirts. Man, I feel bad now. I don't mention his name, but yeah. we'll uh, figure it out. Mike we'll Baldwin. Mike Baldwin. Mike Baldwin. Yeah. We'll put a link to his T-shirt online on yeah. the show notes if you're curious now. I'm curious to take a look at it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, when you're on the road like this, do you dedicate some time each day to write? Uh, I haven't this weekend. I was just talking with uh, Tony, and uh, I was like, did you write it all this weekend? He goes, I've been working on one thing. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I felt guilty because I haven't written. But really, I... I I'll be honest, like sometimes I slack. I'll get more caught up in like the um, business end of things where I'm like, I got to make sure I get more bookings or update mm -hmm. my website or there's, just, a, lot there's a lot of different little things you can distract yourself with. Let's talk about that for a second. I don't think we've addressed that too much in this thing. You know, once you've got your act and your bookable, the millions of things that go into it, keeping up with your calendar right you get holes to fill and you got you want to find a logical fit for the the week in between x and right y there um but updating your website having some kind of consistency of putting new clips up online right uh working towards your next cd yep uh making sure everything online is current stuff that stuff gets out of date pretty quick headshots yeah i got some old stuff i got i got a big to-do list of things 
You could distract yourself all day. I got to update my bio. I have a downloadable bio that still doesn't have my Letterman credit, and that was almost a year ago. Yeah, you want to get that up there. <laughs> I'll put that somewhere near the top. Yeah, I Maybe know. Maybe a picture of you next to Dave. Just do a screen cap or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Make, make sure they know you've been up there. Yeah, it can take a lot of time. Just booking travel. We were talking That's last a, night Yeah, about. I was thinking about that, too. That's when we were saying this, like, I'll go and check. Uh, yeah, like I had a flight to Oklahoma City, and it was – 520 bucks from New York and I thought it was expensive and I was waiting for it to go down then it went up and then it went up again and I'm like better lock it in before I now it's too expensive right now it's too expensive and then just so you know six weeks is usually the sweet spot is it six weeks is when they're on sale yeah and then they'll try to book like a third of the plane or whatever with that then they'll go back to regular price and they'll only drop it down again if, if they don't make enough right but you know it's Six weeks is a sweet spot. Okay. So you can put that in your calendar or your reminder or whatever to check it. Yeah. Um, before that, you're going to pay full price pretty much. Yeah. So. Six weeks. Six weeks is a sweet. And Wednesdays. Okay. I've heard. I thought I've heard Tuesdays. but Tuesday Wednesday? at midnight. Yeah. All the way through Wednesday at midnight. Okay. So those are your two sweet spots out there. If, you, if you're flying to your first open mic yeah. out there, you want to make sure you get the best deal. <laughs> yeah. It can take a lot of stuff out. Have you ever read a... Um, the artist way or any of those books to kind of help you do any writing have you ever found something uh, kind of motivated what's the you? book i have in my bag right now it's the war of art it's uh this guy's he's normally like a, he just writes books big name i can't remember what his name is though but uh i'm kind of out of it today but um the whole book is basically the war that you have the internal battle you have where um procrastination uh he calls it resistance in the book and your your mind will do everything it can to create some kind of resistance so you can avoid doing your creative endeavors it's true and he talks about it like it's a literally like a battle it's like basically like good versus evil like you versus resistance and you have to recognize when it's creeping in and telling you you know for example like i can look at plane tickets uh, I should go look at, you know, I should write. And I'll be like, no, I can look at uh, flights. Right. And uh, and you can look at all the possible flight combinations. Right. And flying in a nearby cities and pretty soon an hour goes by. Right. Or if you go sit right for an hour, you can look at your flights after that. But right. you'll you'll do that and then you'll go, okay, you know what? I had some funny thoughts. I should go put those on Facebook. All those little kind of things like resistance you gotta you gotta fight that you gotta sit down and i know for a fact that when i've gotten really into a good habit of writing all my best material comes from the focus just that focus and i'll think back to like this joke and i'll be like that came from me sitting down in a coffee shop with a pen and a pad and writing you it's a it's a rare occasion where something just kind of pops up in your head right and it comes out as like this gem, this perfect joke. I have a few of those, sure. but there's not many. Right. No, if you don't create time for something to happen, it won't happen. Right. And if, if nothing happens one day, hey, nothing happened for an hour. Right. But something's going to lead. You're that much closer to the next thing. Yeah, you're getting that. You're working that. You're, that muscle in your brain is working. And there's so many times where there's been uh, where I connect the dots to where I was writing. And then a week later, I'm writing something. You don't even realize sometimes you'll you'll write the same thing that you wrote even a year before, and you'll be like, yeah, this sounds kind of familiar. I, I had that wine bit that you really like. Yeah, that's a hilarious bit. It was a bit that I, 
I knew there was something there, um, but I couldn't get it working. I, and I put it down, and I just, I, I kind of forgot about it because I couldn't get it working. Then a year later, I came across it when I was had not the right, and I grabbed an old notebook, and I was like, let me just see what's in this thing. And I found the wine joke, and for whatever reason, it just all clicked. Uh-huh. It all clicked, and I was like, I wrote it and got the basic parts working that night, like almost instantly. And then I, you know, I polished it up over right. over time. But um, that all comes from sitting down and doing the work. Yeah, it's a, you can't skip it. You can't, you know. It's funny how many people take the class and they're like, I had one guy didn't do any of the homework. I never got to give him any feedback. I didn't know where he was at. And we finally had the performance class, you know, the phase of it where they get up on stage. And he, he got up there and I said, you got three minutes. And he goes, all right. And he, he did about 23 seconds. And he goes, how much time I got left? I'm like, all of it. Yeah. I was like, really? I thought that'd be about three. Yeah. Like, you got to do the work. You can't yeah. expect crazy. Occasionally, if you do the work, great things will pop out and be a byproduct of being prepared. But you're not going to get there without getting those steps down. Yeah. And so there's no shortcuts. We can we can definitely tell you things not to do and why things work, but you have to put in the time for it. That's what uh, I can remember. A comedian, his name is Joe Morrison, and um, he saw me and gave me a compliment. You know, when you're new, and he's he's an already working comic, and I wasn't, you know. And he was like, "Hey, man, I can I can tell you've been you've been working." And I was like, "Joe, oh, thanks, man." And I'm like, "This headliner's talking to me. I got his." I got his attention. I gotta pick his brain. I gotta. Right, right. I need the. Sh- I need the shortcut. What's the secret? I need because I'm just so desperate to like become a better comedian. And, and I'm like, what? What do I gotta do? And he goes, man, I. There's no way around it. It's right as much as you possibly can, and get on stage as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And that's the only way. And yeah. I was like, kind of heartbroken because yeah. I knew. That I was like, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, there is no, there's no secret trick. There's no shortcut. Yeah. I know when I realized that, I, I suddenly had more respect for all the guys that were, have been doing it longer than I have. Yeah. Because I realized they weren't taking any shortcuts either. Right. And then I'm low man on the totem pole working my way towards where they've been at. But even though I, you may not like their act sometimes, and sometimes you resent the crowd for liking the comic on stage. You can't, right. You can't spend energy in that stuff. But you you got to respect the guy that's got a solid hour because it took a lot of work to get there. Right, it's a long, long haul. Then I think as you get a, a little bit further in your career, the you understand the way you your voice on stage, exactly. and you can figure out jokes. You can figure them out quickly. You kind of know when you get the idea if it has potential. Right. Like it, it's like instead of using like a a website for a dating service where you got to look at all the profiles. Right, your joke just pops in like, yeah, I can, I can hang with this one. This one might work, right? Twenty go by, you're like, yeah, not me, right? Not me. Then you notice, eh, not like that one. We have something in common. Like I was thinking one today. I don't know if this will work or not, but we went to the, the Ford, the Gerald Ford Museum, mm-hmm. and uh, he pretty much ended the Vietnam War right at the end, and he pulled our troops out and the Vietnamese allies that helped us. He was very adamant about letting them come back to. Uh, the U.S. and assimilating them into the U.S. culture because they were allies, a lot of these people. And a lot of people kind of forgot about it and gave up on them. And then he, they, they turned it down in Congress, and then he pushed for it again and made it happen. And uh, so the joke, I was going to say something briefly about that. And I want to 
I think Ford's a great president because I have a really strong Asian fetish. And <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah, with, with that, yeah, without him. Without him. He brought a lot of hot Asians here, and yeah. I just want to say thanks. And I just thought it'd be fun to do in this town because he's from Grand yeah. Rapids. <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, my own personal Chuck Woolery. Yeah. Bringing in three potential candidates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's a good spin. Yeah, that's cool, man. So we got a few more shows tonight. I know we're going to get some rest before we go in. So uh, thanks for coming in. Yeah, buddy. Where thanks, man. Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, just andyhendrickson.com. And Our Twitter's you? backslash Andy Hendrickson. Got you. Are you pretty active on Twitter? Uh, yeah, it's hot and cold. It's the same thing as the writing. I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he's on Twitter, he's not writing, or if he's trying to add a new joke on Twitter, it'll pop up. I'm in a lot of museums doing my writing. Yeah. Nice place. Gerald <laughs> Ford. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, buddy. You bet. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. For information on upcoming classes, check out schooloflaughs.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a ranking on iTunes. Send any questions or comments to schooloflaughs at gmail.com. And until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.